welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It! Writing in Star Trek, episode 113. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt, before we talk about our topic today, I do want to discuss something that that happened in the Star Trek fandom uh, that is pretty big news, and that is the release of the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind. Now, both of us saw it in the theater. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. It was so much fun. I say this as a Star Trek fan who watched DS9, appreciated DS9 at the time. It is not my Trek of choice, as I'm sure a lot of our audience knows. It's Voyager if you don't. (laughs) And even so, I had a fantastic time celebrating this thing that was DS9. And I loved the various angles they took with it. And I loved how they acknowledged that it took a little while for this thing to find out what it was and it turns out they threw a few things together jumbled them in found a way to make it work and it was awesome (laughs) it was two hours of celebrating ds9 all that it accomplished it was so much fun i really had a good time and i got to experience it with a fellow nerd party uh, compatriot here darren moser from seti alpha 3 we met up and we got to watch it together it was a grand old time how about you what did you end up thinking about it Oh, man, I had no idea that you and Darren saw it together. That's awesome. We did. We did, like, we filmed a, like, a little reaction video. It's on his phone. I don't know if he's going to post it or not, but we did that. We were there. Pixar didn't happen, right? So I hope he puts that out <laughs> in the ether. Well, how I felt about it, I was, um, I went by myself because my wife is not a Star Trek fan. And so she told me, she's like, baby, just, it would be wasted on me. Just go by yourself. And <laughs> That's why my husband didn't go with me either. He has never, he's only seen one episode of DS9. It would mean nothing yeah, to him. Mean nothing. And I'm sitting there with my popcorn. And then the actor who played Rom comes on and starts singing a jazz song with lyrics about Deep Space Nine. And I'm grinning like an idiot. I, I just, <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, this is really happening. This is fantastic. And the entire documentary is a love letter to the fans. And totally, I'm like, I loved it from beginning to end. I thought it was, um, I thought it was very well done. Uh, one criticism that I'm seeing online is people saying like, oh, well, why didn't they talk about this? Or why didn't they talk about that? And why didn't they talk about this? <laughs> and I completely get that. I totally understand that because there's a lot that they didn't talk about, but this is not a documentary about the history of Deep Space Nine. Right. This is not a documentary about how they got started or the troubles that they had at the beginning or how it was created or what was the first inspiration they had for the show. No, this was about mainly the legacy of Deep Space Nine, about like how how people reacted to it uh, while it was on the air and then afterwards. And also, I love that they didn't have any kind of exposition at the beginning where they're just like, Deep Space Nine was a show. It was a Star Trek show. It was on a station. Like, no, the people who paid to go see this know about Deep Space Nine. They know everything about Deep Space Nine. They do not treat you like an infant. They treat you like a knowledgeable fan. And I really appreciated that. And also, the HD that they used was oh. worth the price of, permi- uh, of admission alone. 
Most definitely. That was so freaking beautiful. Yes, indeed. Yeah, beautiful. I did see a lot of people uh, say after you watch the after you're watching the end credits, they're saying, yeah, we could have done this and this. And no, we did not put this in here. And there's going to be some things in the special features. So buy the documentary when it comes out in August. Yeah, guys, it's not meant to be comprehensive. There's no way it can be. Would we watch the right. crap out of an eight hour long thing? Sure. But <laughs> right, right, <laughs> some of us right. diehards really would. But for what this is, it is so freaking good. And they did do such a great job of putting it together. It was well worth the wait. If you missed the Fathom event, get it on Blu-ray, get it on streaming, however you want to get it. Also buy it just to support them because they put so much work into it. It really is worth your money. And this is the type of thing that you want to support in order to show good faith for the franchise. Whether no No matter what kind of fan you are, these like these are there's so many times when you'll see somebody on an Indiegogo or one of those other fundraising sites and to try to try to make like a movie or something like that and you see these actors or directors who have boatloads of their own money or <laughs> boatloads of resources at their fingertips to make whatever they want and you're just like there's so many times we were just like, don't, don't fund that. That's ridiculous. They can totally do that on their own. They can get advertisers. They can get this. They can get that. But with this type of thing, like Ira Stephen Bear does not have unlimited resources. He's not a, uh, he's, he's not like a Tom Cruise-esque celebrity and, and neither are all these other <laughs> no, people. Even though he looks like a rock star with that purple beard and the, those glasses. What are those things? They're amazing. I would like a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Now but yeah, said. it's just like, but these but these are the type of projects that you want to support to show your support as a Trek fan, in my opinion. Totally. I'm with you 100%. This was also such a labor of love on the part of those who did make it happen. They worked their tails off. And this is a positive thing in the fandom, which we need more than ever. So yes, it deserves your time and your dollars. So how about we start the show? We kind of get into our topic where, uh, Char, what are we talking about today? We're doing something a little fun that's a little bit of an offshoot off things we've done in the past where we have put the captains on different ships, different shows, seeing how that would work with, say, Janeway on DS9, which we did, so on and so forth. Yeah, and we yeah we put captains uh, on other shows like we put uh, Cisco on Voyager, you know, like right. That kind of thing. We switch a route, everybody, and now we're gonna make an argument today, and the argument is is that Tom Paris would work on any of the other shows besides Voyager, which he was on, and obviously that did work. So we're gonna test out this theory, and then we will conclude yes or no. Can he? Oh, so, okay. So, like, uh, I, like, full honesty to the listeners, I didn't know that was our thesis. I thought it was just going to be, oh, how would Tom work on these other shows? Oh, well, I mean, we're going to have to explore that. Like, can it work? Would it work? How would it work? Okay. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I guess I did develop a thesis statement. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so we know Tom Paris, you got to love him. Yeah. He is the pilot of Voyager and has a troubled past, which is basically the same backstory as, um, what's his name? Nick Locarno? Nick Locarno off of TNG, where he was in a situation where they were doing maneuvers on Red Squad and he did a forbidden move just to see, just to show how flashy he was. But then it resulted in the deaths of multiple other students. He got cached out of the Academy, out of Starfleet, became a drunk, joined the Maquis, and ended up 
way in the Delta Quadrant and became and had a great arc where he became a responsible Starfleet officer. He became a responsible pilot. A he uh, was a good husband and became a good father and a good friend. And uh, he became a great person. So this is a great arc. And so we want to see how he would be on any of those shows. Do you want to start at the beginning, TOS? What about old Enterprise? Okay, we can start chronologically instead. So, oh, we, oh, yeah, okay. You were thinking chronologically in terms of airing order. I'm thinking chronologically in terms of Star Trek timeline. <laughs> Either let's, way, let's do it via timeline. So we'll start with Enterprise. Okay. I, I, I thought about this a little bit because that was the first thing that popped in my head. I was just like, okay, Enterprise. How would this work? How would this happen? And part of me is just like, well, this wouldn't happen because why would Archer pick Paris to be on the first warp five ship? You know why? Because he's the best damn pilot you could have. So here's how I think this would go down, Tristan, is if he's going to be the pilot, there's no Travis Mayweather, which is fine because unfortunately- (laughs) Which is very fine. (laughs) Yeah, that poor character, there's such a disservice to Travis Mayweather and by extension, Anthony Montgomery is an actor because they gave him nothing to do. Now, with Tom Paris, he's coming in with a backstory. We know he has a criminal record. He's got a troubled past. I do think- you would have Archer reaching out to him, sort of like how he came to Hoshi saying, look, I want you on this ship. And I think maybe even for Paris, there would be a little bit of resistance like there was for Hoshi, some hesitation. But the result, I think, would end up the same, where Tom might not necessarily be there happily to start, but he's going to go through that arc of realizing, hey, there's a better life for me out there than just being a drunk in Sandrine's, which is maybe what he wanted to start off. I think it would be interesting if we play... I I like that idea like of how he went to Hoshi. That was exactly what I was thinking too. Like (laughs) he went to Hoshi this way. I think he would need to go to Paris this way. I see kind of like a Pike situation in 2009. Yeah, I dare you to do better. Let's say Admiral Paris is dead. I think that's the best way to do it. Admiral Paris exists, existed, he's dead. Archer knew Admiral Paris really well. He was friends with Admiral Paris. Maybe Admiral Paris was his mentor, and so he knew Tom. Mm. So, like, as a as a as a young person, so like maybe you know, like maybe Tom sees Archer a little bit as an uncle. Uh huh. And so they have some history there. And I want to see him go to Paris and say, "I promised your dad I would look after you, and I need the best damn pilot." for this warp five ship. Isn't this exciting to you? You could fly the first warp five ship. Isn't that yeah. better than being drunk in France? And <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I've never been drunk in France. Don't knock it till you try it. And I think that would be a one, one fun way. And so you would see the other Admiralty who is just like, listen, we all loved Admiral Paris. Owen was a fantastic guy, but we can't let you get this guy. We can't, we can't bring Tom back in. His son is not him. He does not measure up. Archer will fight for him. And then meanwhile, maybe Tommy is just thinking, what, would you just leave me alone? Could you, can you just let me be? I am having the time of my life playing pool. This is my potential. Get off my back. But then sort of like Kirk in 2009, he's going to take that moment to reconsider, join up at the last minute. Okay. He's on. And so I feel like maybe they would give him a field commission, just like they gave to Paul a field commission. Love it. Yep. He's not going to get immediately upgraded to lieutenant. That just can't happen. Right. And so I think that he would be he would be a lot of fun to play with with the other characters because 
uh, you know, like, yeah, it's it's another white male, and it would be good to get some more diversity in that position, but that's not what this is about. This is about specifically yeah. Tom Paris. Right. We can't necessarily change that. Now, the dynamics would be kind of interesting. Uh, in early Tom Paris, would he be going after Hoshi and slash or to Paul? Because those are the ladies on the ship. I think he would... I, I don't think he would go towards either. I think he no? would... Uh, I think we would see him flirt with all of the uh, the junior members of of the crew. Oh, you know, I could see that happening. The, the, the basically Enterprise's version of the Delaney sisters. One hundred percent. That is exactly what I was thinking. Because <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other thing: is he wouldn't have a chance with T'Pol. She would dismiss that immediately. Put a stop immediately. to it immediately. Yeah, and Hoshi, I could see him trying and probably failing horribly with that too. I don't even see them as a match. I don't even think he no. would go after Hoshi. No, I think, yeah, he's got better options elsewhere, but I don't know, think it would stop him from trying, at least not at first. <laughs> he'd get shot down and then, and then he'd move on. I One one storyline that I'd love to see is him going after like a, a woman in engineering and Trip having none of it. Mm. Like saying like, I know her. She's a friend of mine. She's one of my teammates. Leave her alone. Like I maybe like like, like Trip is the is the guy who doesn't like Tom. I was just gonna ask. Do you suppose those two would have a really contentious relationship? I think they would because they're too much I alike. Think, yeah. yeah, like they're they're very they're very alike, and they both have a connection with Archer. Yeah, and so maybe there would be a little jealousy, a little competition, a and little bit. Uh, I think I see a little Neelix and and Tom going on with Ooh, a spaghetti yeah. fight. Maybe some a catfish a catfish fight. That's what it would. Cat, be. Oh, you're right. It would be pan fried catfish. So be it. That would be great. Now, in terms of say Archer, he's going to kind of be, I don't know. Paris is going to be a pet project for him, right? Yeah. He's going to come around now with Enterprise being a different show. The whole family man thing. I'm not sure if that would happen for Paris on this ship. I think you're right. I, I don't think it would. I think we would see a different arc. I see. We, I think we would see an arc of a man throwing himself in his work. I agree. I agree. It would show he is growing and maturing as a person. He's taking responsibility and ownership of his life. But the family thing, nah. Unfortunately, it would be he'd be sold short a little bit on Enterprise, at least in that respect. I think what we would see is after season three, after the um, the Zindi incident. That he would prove himself so thoroughly, so selflessly, that he's like, listen, I talk with Starfleet. This is no longer a field commission. You are now a lieutenant with all the rights and privileges there, there too, you know. Yeah. And and that would be his arc where he's just like, I'm back in Starfleet officially, not just a field commission. And Yeah, and this time he'll live up to the honor. That's what I see happening. And I would love to see a scene where like Tom really screws up. Like really screws up and Archer loses it. Like it's not like Archer gets maybe this is a little out of character, but you know, like Archer has a tendency to explode every once in oh, a while. Sure. And, like, angry Archer is definitely a thing. Angry Archer. I would love to see him just kind of like lose it on Tom, whether it came to blows or not, where he just kind of like throws him up against the wall and says, like, I vouch for you. I put my career on the line and this is how you treat me. <laughs> Right? How could you screw this up so much? You were doing so well. What happened? Do you suppose this would be kind of like the thirty days? Yes. Kind yes. Of thing? This would be the thirty days. But instead of Jane would just saying like, "I'm super disappointed in you," boop, 
no pip on this one. I would see Archer just lose his his he would his, flip his, his, his crap. lid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would probably be a good sign to Paris that yeah he done effed up. <laughs> to, like the fact maybe, that he'd make Archer that angry toward him, he would. I think it would wake him up a little bit. He'd snap out of it. I feel like in this situation, it would be like, listen, I'm sending you home. Like you showed me Ooh. that you're not ready for this. Like I am sending you home. Wow. And he does something to redeem himself. He right. makes it right somehow. He'll have to fight to stay, prove his worth. That yeah. would be great. Okay, so there's some good potential for Paris. Check. He can be Check. on Enterprise. I think that could be very interesting. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, especially with an Archer dynamic like that. That would be really cool. Now, what about the NCC 1701, no bloody A, B, C, or D? I feel like out of all the shows, he would be the most wasted on TOS. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. So if he's the helmsman, there's no Mr. Sulu, meaning we right. get a shirtless Tom in a sword fight in the naked time. Right, which might maybe worth it. But maybe it, I f- he would have no development. He would not have no arc. There mm-hmm. would be no reason for him to have a backstory because let's face it, yeah. Sulu was just kind of there, just like Chekhov was. Unfortunately, yeah. Although he would eventually become the captain of the Excelsior. So good on him. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Okay. Is, yeah, we won't. We don't necessarily in the original series. We wouldn't learn that Tom is a, a reforming convict or anything like that. He wouldn't have that past at all. No, he would have no past. Uh-huh. He would have. He would be Ensign Ricky for all we knew. Like that's who he would be. Right, blank slate. And I think that's the problem is that like unless you were Bones, Spock, or Kirk, you got no real development. Yeah, and not really. I understand. Like I'm sure that there's tons of TOS fans out there who are just screaming, saying like, "You don't know anything." You know, like look at Ohura, look at Sulu, look at Chekhov. You're like, no. They were along for the ride until we got to the movies. Like, really? yes, things happened to them. Yes, we learned little bits about their backstory here and there. But they were very much not the focus. There's a reason why the only names you saw at the beginning were Shatner, Nimoy, and DeForest Kelly. There's a reason why those three are the only names you see at the beginning because no one else got any proper character development. Right, right. Very much, I think, a product of that time where you have your leading mm-hmm. men and then everybody else is a far cry, a far secondary thing. Yeah, I mean, the most we'd really get is Paris and Chekhov trading quips on the bridge or on an away mission. Mm-hmm. That's really about it. We would not know anything about him. We wouldn't learn a whole lot about him. We would just see him there. I, I think he would be much more like the Scotty character where you have, like, Scotty is great. He's a great character. I love Scotty. I love watching him, and I love seeing him react. I see. I love seeing him get angry when someone insults the Enterprise. It's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, but there's no arc there. There's no There's no backstory. There's no character development. Right. He's just there. And he's quippy. He's fun. He's intense. He loves what he does. And so I would see Tom very much kind of like that character much more than the person he's replacing like Sulu. So yeah, yeah that that's how I feel. Okay. So that's kind of done and done. It would work. It wouldn't be much, but it would be there. Now, what about on the D? I like I have an idea for TNG, but let's go to Deep Space Nine. Let me let me think about it a little bit longer. So let's okay. go to Deep Space Nine. Okay, so we're gonna jump now to DS9. What do you think about Deep Space Nine? How do you think he would fit? Because I've been talking <laughs> for a long time. Okay, well this creates an interesting conundrum for us because until they get the Defiant, there is no pilot. You don't need a pilot on a space station. So I feel like on DS9, the character of Tom Paris, if you are having him at all. 
he's got to be he's got to serve the station quite differently where maybe mm-hmm. he was a former pilot but i feel like the way you could bring tom paris aboard ds9 is more with the reforming convict angle where maybe he is under odo's supervision to do some sort of I don't know, community service or some sort of work program where he's there conducting repairs on the station or something, sort of like how he was in that camp in New Zealand. He was doing some sort of work. Maybe he's aboard DS9 for that. And then, idea, he's there. He's doing that sort of thing on DS9. And then if you want to tie it in to Voyager, you know, they're leading in for him to become a main character on Voyager. He starts on DS9. He's doing good work for Odo, yada, yada, not you know, trying to keep his head down, not cause a whole lot of trouble, but he's got a smart mouth. So people are kind of, you know, keeping an eye on him. And then Janeway shows up to DS9 like she did in New Zealand, says, I, I want you. You will be an observer. You're the best damn pilot I could have. Come with me on Voyager. And then off he goes to Voyager. And that's kind of a weird segue to bridge those two shows together a little more. What do you think about that? I, I think that's really fascinating. I think that's um, that's definitely a way to keep him as Tom Paris, where you don't really have to change anything except the aspect of him being at the New Zealand penal colony. Right. Like instead of the New Zealand penal colony, he's serving his time on Deep Space Nine because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I think that's a great continuity. Uh, that's not what I had in mind, but I really <laughs> like your idea. Now, What's yours? My idea is kind of the antithesis of yours, where you have him there for the first couple of seasons. I would have him there for the last couple of seasons, where with the introduction of Worf, we also got the introduction of Tom Paris, where Ah. when they get the Defiant is when they get Tom. Okay. Because what I was thinking of is we change his backstory a lot, where we know that Cisco helped, like he designed the Defiant. Yes. And... I would love to think that maybe he, like maybe Tom helped design the Defiant. And in between when Cisco was at U- Utopia Planitia and today, which would be like season four of, uh, of Deep Space Nine, Tom ran into some trouble. Like something happened to him. He had a loss or he got in trouble. He got, he became a drunk. He got, he left Starfleet and... It was just like he, like maybe he wasn't kicked out of Starfleet. Maybe he left Starfleet or was politely asked to leave. Uh huh. And he's just been on hard times for years. And then Cisco's like, listen, the only other person who knows the Defiant better than I do is you. And I need a good pilot for this. And I need you. I, because this is a difficult ship. We need to help fix the problems. You can do it. Or maybe he only, maybe he only brings them on to help fix the problems. They're like, for the shakedown mission, for the shakedown cruise. Like, he brings on Tom. He's like, listen, all you have to do, help us out with figuring out what's wrong with her, and then you can leave. You can go on. Right. You can go back to being a drunk if you want. Exactly. But then after this happens, Tom finds a renewed sense of purpose, and Cisco's like, maybe you could stay. Love you know, like, it. we're going to like we're gonna be going to the Gamma Quadrant a lot more. We're going to be taking the Defiant out a lot more maybe you could be the pilot for the Defiant. And he's like, maybe I will. Like, do you think they'd let me back into Starfleet? He's like, well, they did just give me a, a starship and discretion on how to use it. So this is how I'm going to use it. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay. I like your idea a lot too. So there's plenty of ways to put Paris on DS9. I think that's, honestly, I think that's very, 
that's very interesting out of because there are so many different ways that we could get him on Deep Space Nine, and those are just two, and both are, I think, in my opinion, really good. But like when you look at TOS and when you look at Enterprise, that's all I can really those those ways that we came up with is really all that I can think of. Yeah, they are not as versatile. Maybe this is a, a reflection of just how diverse and rich DS9 is. And mm-hmm. so we've got to give credit where it's due. DS9 rules. Maybe that's the real point of this show, aside from the fact that Paris also rules. I think the beauty of Deep Space Nine is that, like you said, it's versatile. It has versatility. There's so many different types of characters on there that come from so many different backgrounds and it's a space station, it's near a wormhole, it's near Bajor, it's Starfleet, but it's a Cardassian station, there's wars going on. There's so many different storylines where with TNG, it's just like, here's your crew, and they explore week to week. Same with TOS. <laughs> and with Enterprise, it, you have that opening where it's just like, we're different because we're the first to have done this this far. But then it just kind of gets into the same old pattern until season three. And it's, I don't want to say narrow, but narrower than Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it kind of has sort of a reverse psychology effect where we think if you don't have a ship and you're not hopping from planet to planet, well, where's the excitement? Well, on the Mm -hmm. station, the excitement comes to you. Right. And there's so much going on that you don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I was like, I never understood that criticism because... Like when people said like, because I've heard when when it first aired, I heard tons of people say that online or in person where oh, they're yeah. just like, what's the point of Deep Space Nine? Like it's a, it's a space station. Like yeah, it's boring. Yeah, what are they going to do? There. And I said, I was like, what are you talking about? And I just listed all the things that I just list you. It's like, it's near the wormhole. They're going to go explore the Gamma Quadrant. Like it's it's the center of commerce. You know, like they're they're trying to get Bajor into the Federation. They got all, they got the Cardassians. They got the Ferengi. They got the, you know. Right. No shortage of things there. And DS9 definitely took that misinformation, that misled thought and shred it to pieces and good on them. <laughs> now that said... Should we jump over to the Enterprise D? Let's go to the Enterprise D. The Immediately, the thing that I had in my mind was just continue Nick Lacarno's storyline, t- change the name to Paris. and But it would be the, sa- it would be the same person. It would, it would be the same person. I just don't, <laughs> want, I just don't want to call him Nick yeah. Lacarno. Now, like Tom Paris is the person who was with Wesley and replace, what's, what's her name? Saito? Not Saito. Oh, Cito. Um, Cito. Replace Cito with Tom Paris. Okay, so this is a later TNG scenario. His redemption story is going to come in season seven. It's going to be short-lived, but it's going to be kind of that same sort of progression. That's what I would see. Yeah, like maybe we'd get a few more storylines out of him than we did with Cito. Yeah, I'd like to see us get to know him a little more than one episode. Yes, and I think we, we'd have to change his history just a little bit where... He got the same kind of punishment as Wesley did, where his credits were stripped, um, but he wasn't kicked out of Starfleet, that kind of thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can see that. Do you see something else? Not really. (laughs) I'm trying to think what else he could possibly do on the D, uh, because really, I mean, if you want to make him the pilot, okay, you're taking away... I mean, a lot of times extras were flying the ship, and you could have him Mm -hmm. doing it instead, but then he would probably just end up being one of those extras, like a Lieutenant J. And okay, great, but 
nobody really cares until many years later. <laughs> so I like your idea better. That's, I mean, it's short lived, but if they really wanted us to care, we would have the first duty and then he would come on the Enterprise. We'd maybe see him for a couple of episodes and then we'd have that. I mean, would he get, would he end up getting killed like Cito did? I don't know. I, I think, I feel like we're locking ourselves in to this storyline because of Cito. Let's backtrack a little bit. What would happen if we got a Tom Paris-like character season one? How would we integrate him into the show? That is really tough on TNG because why is somebody with a bad reputation coming aboard the Enterprise unless there's some sort of personal connection with Picard like there was with Cito? Which is why I think your brain might have gone there in the first place. Yeah, because I don't think season one Picard would have anybody less than the best of the best on the flagship. Right? I mean, they were very persistent about saying that. So why would they go against that? No, I really do think Tom Paris really would be a short-lived character. He would be a very minor yeah. character on TNG. They've already got, you know, kind of like the, the fabulous seven that they need. And that's enough of an ensemble for the time. I really don't see... I mean, I'm yeah. sure there are other ways, but to make it even better, uh, not necessarily, no. And the fact that there's the Nick Locarno connection at all in TNG anyway, uh, yeah, we got we just got to ride that out and be happy with that much. <laughs> it's, it's really funny because I feel like this, he would be, he, he's even less of a fit on TNG than he is on TOS, which, which I didn't think was so possible. Which is so weird. But I think, yeah, if we rode that out, kept the timeline, you're right. He would just be there for a season. Maybe we'd see him more than Saito, but Sito, but not much. And you know what? We wouldn't think anything of it. It would be fine. He would just be one of those minor characters. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's one that's going to be really difficult. You'd think it would be easy, but I actually think it's going to be quite difficult. What's that? Discovery. Discovery? So, no Kayla Detmer. That's sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't know exactly how things are going to unfold with us only knowing two seasons worth of disco now. Are we potentially in the disco timeline going to get to know Paris slash Detmer <laughs> a lot more going forward? I would love to say yes, because I want to get to know more about that character, mm -hmm. Detmer, on the show. Would the same thing happen with Tom Paris? Also, the whole thing with the criminal history would that go into play with especially, I mean, Burnham kind of takes that mantle. She is, yeah. she's the one with a shaky past. Do you really want somebody else to also have a, a kind of murky past? That seems like overkill. I think you're absolutely right. I think Tom Paris would not be on Discovery, just straight up. No, I disagree. I think he would be the pilot, but we would know just as much or as little at this point as we do with Detmer. It would be a minor character, gets oh, a few lines see, okay. in every episode, but we don't... I see what you're saying. And, I mean, maybe he's got the eyepiece, which is cool, so we know that he has a, he's had an accident, but beyond that, we don't really know much about this person, at least not at this point. Now, a few years from now, when Discovery is, I'm going to guess, over, and it, we could come back to this and say, oh, all the things that were wrong about our analysis here, but we can't say that right now. So, okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Is that the reason why I said what I did, and I'm not saying you're wrong, I think you're right, is that Tom Paris would not be Tom Paris at the beginning because it would be too redundant to Burnham. 
So we would have a character sitting there who would be Tom, who would we, he, we'd call Tom Paris, but know nothing about. Because <laughs> like we said, it's too redundant to Michael's storyline. Right. But once we get to season three, they're out in the future. Things are crazy. We get to know more about the characters that we're dealing with. Maybe that's when it could come out where like maybe nobody knows about that or like or maybe he was a recruit from Lorca and like maybe that's where they have something in common like where like he was trying like the reason why he got Burnham was one of the same reasons of why he got Paris because he like he knew their counterparts in the mirror universe or something like that or like maybe there was something else sinister going on that Lorca had in plan that he wasn't able to enact in time. And so maybe that's a storyline where Paris and Burnham figure this out, where Paris is like, like, I, yeah, I have this pass, but the, it was sealed by Starfleet, you know, under regulation, blah, 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 blah. So nobody knew about it. And Oh, God, I'm getting Section 31 vibes. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not, I'm not going towards that <laughs> at all. Maybe he was meant for that show. Hmm. No, 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 no. I don't want to go there. No, like it's, it's something like um, where like they like Michael finds out about Paris and Paris is like, yeah, that happened. That totally happened with the whole Starfleet, the, 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 the Red Squad thing. And she says, like, how did you wind up on Discovery? Like, how are you even piloting a ship right now? He's like, Lorca pulled some strings and got me on the ship. And she's like, did you know Lorca? He goes, no, I didn't. And so hmm. there's some sort like they try to figure out that mystery of, well, Lorca brought me on because of this reason and I have a criminal past. You know, maybe he brought you on for a similar reason. He's like, will we will we ever find out? I don't know. You know, like that's one of the, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a Discovery-esque type story where they don't figure it out right away. Uh-huh. But that's a mystery to be solved. No, that's pretty good for Disco, that whole melodrama. They could play that out for a few episodes as they find things out. Makes perfect sense to me. Also, would that create a little bit of a culture of mistrust? Where they're out there, it, let's presume in the future, they're out there by themselves, they're alone. All they really have is each other, a la Voyager. But if they can't fully trust this person, they feel like they don't really know this person. Mm-hmm. Well, then what? Or maybe it's the reverse, where all of a sudden, because we're getting to know more about these bridge characters in season three, finally... We yeah. start to realize that they all have something in their past. And they're like, how the hell did we all end up on the same ship? How the hell are we all still in Starfleet? <laughs> so then and maybe this was all Lorca's dirty work. Something like that. I would love to think that Lorca had a much larger plan in motion that no one knew about. That like somehow he got these people together. I love this idea. Maybe they're in somebody's quarters, just all chilling, having a drink and having fun, getting to know each other a whole lot better. And they're like, yeah, dude, I messed up too. This happened to me. I'm not necessarily who you think I am. I've got this thing in my past. They're all kind of sharing their mutual stories. Yeah. And then all these sort of things come out then they realize maybe there's more to this than we realize and it's maybe somehow connected to Lorca. That would be fun. There's something else that I'm going to reference and there's going to be like two people who understand this reference if I'm (laughs) lucky. There's a movie called Iron Eagle 2 and it is a sequel to Iron Eagle. And within that, it's uh, they're a bunch of fighter pilots and they're a ragtag group of fighter pilots and they're they're at some sort of academy and they bring all these pilots together for a specific mission. And all of them are misfits. And they have no idea why they're all brought together. And then Louis Gossett Jr., 
pulls all of their personnel fi- files because he's just like, this doesn't make sense. And he starts to go down the list and every single one of them is the worst possible choice for this mission. And they're like, <laughs> what is going on? Why is the case? And the brass wanted them to fail. They did not want this mission to succeed because of political oh, reasons. Interesting. And so what if, the deep, what if the Discovery crew was like that? where they were a bunch of misfits put together because of X, Y, and Z for political reasons. They didn't want Discovery to make it. Why would they do that, though? Because of the experimental spore drive? Who knows? Lorca's plan. I don't know. It's, huh. it's something like that. All I'm, all I'm saying is that like, there's parallels to that. But we have to get going. We do. Our time is up for this week. So thank you, everybody, for giving us a listen. You know what to do. If you've not done it already is give us a rating in iTunes. That is the one way to help us out so much on the show. It helps other people find the show. If you give us a five-star rating, we will acknowledge you on the show, and we love doing that. So if you're out there and you haven't given us a review yet, please consider doing so. Also, write us an email and let us know what you want us to talk about. Maybe you have a great idea, or maybe you just want to talk about this episode. What you can do is go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form. It'll send us an email, or you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I'm personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. And you can find me at oh the Profanity. Make sure to go to the nerdparty.com for all of our other shows, as well as all of our backlogged episodes. It's fantastic stuff, people. You need to check it out. And you also need to check us out next week, because no matter what we're doing... We're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.